him how worthy he is. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. You're worthy, Lord. Be exalted in this place, King of kings and Lord of lords. Be exalted. Be exalted, almighty Jesus. Be exalted, O Lord, as as your praise fills this house. Be exalted. Be exalted, be exalted, be exalted, be exalted. We worship you, Jesus. Nobody's worthy but you. Nobody's holy but you, Jesus. Nobody's righteous but you, Jesus. Worthy, 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 worthy. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We reverence you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You want to center me a little. (laughs) Y'all look good this morning. How is everybody? Good? Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, So before I get started, always want to say it's an honor and a privilege to get to to speak and I don't take it lightly and so I'm so so thankful but I want to speak to you uh, for a few minutes on uh, the title impartation somebody say impartation impartation and I'm going to tell you ahead of time I do come from a couple generations of Pentecostal preachers which we believe in holler back preaching so if I holler you can holler back at me and amen or please sit down or something of that nature okay all right so there's your there's your disclaimer uh okay so I'm going to speak this morning on impartation and I'm going to read just a just one scripture but we're going to cover a lot of scripture so um Just bear with me, but um, I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter 33, and we're going to just read verse 3, and like I said, we're going to cover a lot of ground in scripture, but we're just going to start with that verse, Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. You can uh, find it in your Bible or look on the screen. Uh, So Jeremiah 33, 3 says, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. And other translations might say, call to me and I will tell you remarkable things that you do not know about the things to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray uh, real quick. Lord, I thank you that we already feel your presence here. God, we thank you that your your glory and your and your holiness is already welcome and already present in this place. And so, Lord, I pray that you would come and rest in this time. Lord, let your word fall on good ground this morning. God, I pray let the prophetic be released. God, whatever you want to say, I ask God that you come and say it and you come and do it. God, I stand hidden in you this morning. It's not by my might, not by what I say, but it's by your spirit. And I pray that your word come forth in anointing and in power in Jesus name amen so impartation I love this scripture something I love about the Lord is God is so intentional and when God the the word of God is God breathed and this and it's living and it's active and it's true and it's alive and the cool thing is is even though this scripture we've had it for years and years and years I believe that when God wrote this scripture he wrote it with you and I in mind and I say that because when I read Jeremiah 33.3, I believe that the Lord knew when he gave this scripture and spoke through, uh, spoke to Jeremiah, he did this with me in mind. And I say that because I'm going to tell you something about myself. If you know me at all, uh, you know this to be true. I try, I'm not perfect, but I try to be a loyal friend. If you ask me not to say something, if you confide in me, I will do my best not to tell it. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I am nosy. 
I'm not going to tell. I promise. I promise. If you ask me not to say nothing, I won't say a word. But I just want to know because I just want to know. My husband and I have this conversation all the time. I think it's a man and a woman thing. He'll come home from work and he'll be like, well, such and such happened today. And I'm like, okay, well, what'd they say? And he's like, I don't know. What were they wearing? I don't know. Where, what, did they, what, what did she say? I don't know. I'm like, you're of no good use to my nosy self. Like, come on, help me. So I say, I say that jokingly. But when, when Jeremiah uh, said, when God said this to Jeremiah, ask me and I will tell you secrets. I'll tell you things just so you'll know. Just so you can be in the know, I'm just going to tell you. Okay? And I love that about the Lord. And I say he wrote that scripture for my nosy self. Okay? I know y'all are more spiritual than me and not nosy, but I'm nosy. And I was going to tell you. Okay. So God, as children of God, when we accept the Lord in our life, he allows us to be in relationship with him. It's not a one-way street. And I've heard Libby say, I know to the prayer team, she'll say, when we pray, she said, take it vertical. And what she means by that is it's not, our relationship with God is not just a horizontal thing. But when we're connection and communion with God it's an exchange it's a vertical thing that he pours into me and I give it back to him and it's this constant exchange and so God wants us as his children to be in the know there are some things that he says just because you're my child I want you to know you have the opportunity to know and so we're gonna we're gonna dig into that this morning and something I love, when you read that Jeremiah 33, 3, if you skip on down in verse uh, 6 through 9, um, God told, he's like, he told Jeremiah, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reveal secrets to you, things that you don't even know about the things to come. But then he skips on down and he's like, okay, I'll give you a hint. He says, nevertheless, the time will come. And he says, I'm going to heal Jerusalem's wounds. I'm going to give them prosperity and true peace. I'll re restore, I'll rebuild, I'll, I'll cleanse. And God in his kindness, when we seek him, when we follow him, he will, when, we, when we're going after him, he's saying, I'm going to reveal stuff to you, but I'll give you a little bit of a foretaste of what's to come because he's just good like that. But in Matthew eleven twenty seven, we read, no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So again, as children of God, we're given the privilege, the true privilege of when Jesus came, he gave us the Holy Spirit and gave us that divine connection that we get in on that relationship that's between God, the father and the son. We get in on that and how awesome that is. So we're going to cover a few things this morning, um, but there's a few things that when we're talking about impartation, that we're talking about, God, what are some things that can be imparted in me? What are some things I need to know? Uh, here, there's three things, and I'm actually going to give you a bonus at the end, but three things that God wants us to know, okay? And we're going to cover those. The first one that if you leave today, I want you to know this. You are called. Say, I am called. Very good. Okay, you are called. So I, this sermon, I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, some of this, I'm grabbing on the tail end of what Pastor Mark preached last week about identity and, and all of that. But you are called. And you can say, uh, first person in my family to ever go to church. What am I called to? I don't know. I'm not called. I don't understand. Calling is for ministers and calling is for when I'm gifted in a certain area. You are called. If you've been saved for five seconds, you are called, right? The Bible says that, well, we see that in the Bible, that God can do a whole lot with your little. So you might feel like I'm not bringing much to the table, but he can take a little tiny bit and multiply. We serve, you serve a multiplying master, that he performs his best miracles when you have just a little bit, right? So you are called. And in Job 42, too, 
it says, the Bible says, I know that, Lord, you can do anything and no one can stop you. So if he's called you, no man can put a stop to it. No, no, no negative word, no nothing from your past can stop it. Because if you're called, he's called you and you have the opportunity to walk in that calling. So if he's called you to something, he will equip you. Because the call of God is the work that God has called for you to do. And what, you may ask, what has he called me to do? You may have said, I'm not called. Well, I'm going to tell you what you're called to do right here. 2 Timothy 1.9. For God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. You're what? You're called to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from the very beginning of time. To show his grace through Christ Jesus. So you didn't deserve to be called. I don't deserve to be called. But in his kindness, he did it anyways, right? It was his plan before the beginning of time. How do? So it says, he called me to live a holy life. How do I live holy? We're going to be real practical today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in his name. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's going to make me holy, right? Right. Okay, so here's the thing. The scripture says that I'm to walk in a manner worthy of the call of God on my life. You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us that makes sure I'm in check, that I'm walking in a manner worthy, that I'm doing what 2 Timothy 1.9 tells me to do and to live a holy life. And here's something else that's super practical. If I'm living, what does the Holy Spirit do? When we get saved, we receive a measure of the Holy Spirit. But you're also given the opportunity to get more of that Holy Spirit. When you receive the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, that is, yes, we receive that in the evidence of speaking in tongues, but it's also, it, it, it's like my buffer. It's like when I go, when I'm at my workplace and other people are talking garbage, I'm not talking garbage because Holy Spirit in me is not okay with that. When I'm at the movies and something comes on the screen and Holy Spirit in me rises up in me and says, get up out of this chair and leave. And I've done it before. I remember as a child, oh my gosh. And as a kid, I was like, this is embarrassing. But I can't tell you how many movies we would go to. And my dad would look over and he was like, come on, girls. And we'd have to leave and we'd do the walk of shame out of the movies. But that's because Holy Spirit in me was not okay with watching that filth, right? You can be holy and live holy and he will teach you to do so, right? So here's another scripture, Romans 8, 28 through 30. We all probably could say this together. But this is something that we know. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, hello, Siri. Okay, uh, called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose, so there's a little hint for our next one, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them. So he not only called you, but he chose you and he called you to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. That was a whole lot, okay? But basically, all that to say, he called you before you were even born. He chose you. He handpicked you before you were even a thought. And he not only did that, but he gave us right relationship, right standing with God. And that because of that, he gave you his glory. So you, how awesome is that? Is that we not only were chosen and called when we didn't deserve to be chosen or called, but we also have been standing, we've been put, been put right in right standing with God and we've been able to carry his glory. That's a privilege. That's a privilege, right? 
So like I said in that scripture, so you're called, but number two, you're chosen. First Peter 2, 9, I'm going to tell you how you're chosen, okay? I'm just repeating what Jesus said, okay? So if you don't like it, take it up with him, right? So First Peter 2, 9, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. We could stop right there. But then he goes on to say, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. So what am I called to do? What am I chosen? He's called you out of your sin. He's called you out of his darkness and he's chosen you to fulfill his plan upon the earth. So he knew your sins before you ever were thought of and he still chose you. So you don't have to walk in shame and condemnation because what scripture says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when I was studying this, I really felt that, that maybe there are some of us in the room that you, it's like you want to walk in the calling. You want to walk, you, you want to do what he's called you to do, but there's this condemnation that comes over you and, and tries to entangle you. But this scripture tells us that you are called and he has chosen you. And in John 15, 16, the Bible says, you didn't choose me. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. How cool is that? We didn't deserve to be. I didn't. He knew what I was going to do, and he knew how I was going to sin. He knew the sins I'm going to commit, but he chose me. He not only chose me, but then he said, I'm going to give you one better than that. I'm going to make it to where you can ask me whatever you wish in my will, and it will come to pass because I love you that much. Y'all, that's good. Okay, that's good. That's good. So just as Jesus handpicked, when we read in the New Testament, he handpicked, he went, and Pastor Mark talked about this last week, he called his disciples. He's handpicking and hand-choosing each of us. So the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. So what does that mean? It means that God gives us an opportunity, John three sixteen, right? He gives us an opportunity that we all can be saved, we all can know him. But there's few, the Bible says wide is the, uh, wide is the gate, there's a, narrow, there's a narrow road, and there's a wide road. Many people, few and far between, are going to hit the narrow road because many are on the, wide, on the wide path. But, so that means few are chosen. Few are going to choose to keep following him because it's not easy. It, it will require sacrifice. But I, tell, I will stand as a testament of this. And I know, I'm, like, y'all are like, she's a young baby. She don't know what she's talking about. But, okay, I do know this <laughs> To be true, yes, will serving Jesus require some sacrifice? Absolutely. Will you ever regret giving up a thing for him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There is nothing that you can give up that you will regret for him. So I am called, I am chosen, and then the third one, you are sent. He sends us. When we read in um, Matthew 28, 19, 19 through 20, we read that Jesus, when he, as he would send out his disciples to do ministry, it says that he sent them out two by two. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love this. That Jesus said, I'm sending you out. I've been with you. He told his disciples, I've been with you. You've watched me perform miracles and all that. And now it's your turn. I'm sending you out. I'm equipping you. I'm giving you authority and power. But be sure you know that I am with you always. And I love that. So even when he sends us out, when we, when we know, you can walk and know that you're called, know that you're chosen. But sometimes when you know, believe in your sin and being like, Lord, did you really send me to do this? 
But he, he tells us that I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, right? So the cool thing about that, too, is when we read in Matthew, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out two by two. And I love that because he gave us, he made sure to know that we're not alone because he have, we have him. But God is also in the body of Christ giving us one another that you can link up with that when God sends you out to do his work, that you have people that you can walk up with, right? And that's good. So we need one another. And this is what I love. When you read in Deuteronomy 32, the Bible says that one can put a 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, okay? Now, I'm not going to look at my mother-in-law or my math teaching mother-in-law when I say this because I say, math was not my thing, and she says, don't say that. <laughs> but... I don't, I'm not a math girl, but I can tell you this. Okay, so if, if this says one can put 1,000 to flight, then I would think two would put 2,000 to flight. But remember I said that we serve a multiplying master. So he says if you've got one and you could put 1,000 to flight, if you've got two, I'm, you could put 10,000 to flight. He multiplies that and tells you that when you're together, when you're locked up and joined together, there is power in that. Amen? So... Um, just as Isaiah said, Isaiah, when God said, who, will, who shall I send? God was looking for people to send out to do his work. And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. And that needs to be the posture of our heart. Amen? Okay, so we said, I'm called, you're chosen, you're sent. And then I don't know if you were like me, but in school when the teacher offered bonus points, I said, yes, please, me, please. Okay, because I needed the bonus points. So here's you a bonus. So you are called, you are chosen. You are sent, and all of that ties together because he has anointed you. So you are anointed. Look at your neighbor and say you're anointed. Amen. So in order to operate in your calling, you must know what he's called you to do, chosen you for, and is sending you to do. Because of your anointing and his hand on you, he will be able to take you places you never thought you could go on your own. When you serve him long, any bit of time at all, when you're doing it with Jesus, he's going to get you a whole lot farther than if you didn't have him. Right? So there's a, there's a scripture that I, several years ago, I would say probably five or six years ago, I was reading a book and the scripture was in the book and the Lord like so impressed on me that I needed to memorize the scripture. And I was like, I, don't, I, I just had never felt such an impression from the Lord before to memorize a scripture. And I did not understand, like, it's a great scripture, but I just didn't understand why he wanted me to do it. But over the past five or six years, it's like any time, you know, the enemy, the Bible tells us that the enemy sets out to steal, to kill, and destroy anything that God set to do, right? So, and that's the enemy's job is to, once he doesn't want you to know that you're called. He doesn't know, want you to know that you're chosen or anything like that. But when, they, when, when you set out, when you accept, Lord, I'm going to walk in the call of God you have on my life. I'm going to let you impart things into me. The enemy's going to do whatever he can to stop that. And so over the past five or six years, I, as I memorized this scripture, it's like the Lord would bring this back, the Holy Spirit would bring this back to my remembrance when the enemy would try to stifle or make me think, okay, well, you're not really called. You thought you were, but you missed it. Mm, this, You're not anointed, all that. And, and the Holy Spirit would quicken to me, no, you repeat that scripture. And so I, I can't tell you how many times I would speak this scripture out. And this is something that I, we all need to get in your spirit this morning. To know so that you know that he's not only called you and chosen you, but he's anointed you. And this is what he's anointed you to do, okay? It's in Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. 
says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted in his own glory. Amen. That's what you're anointed for. It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him and his spirit. And because his spirit is in you, he is, and you may say, again, I wasn't raised in church. I don't know anything churchy, whatever. But guess what? If the spirit of God is living in you, he's calling you and equipping you to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve. To, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He's anointed you for such a time as this. If, if you're serving in the nursery, if you're serving in the parking lot, if you're a greeter, he's anointed you to do the very thing that he's called you to do. So you are, do not disqualify yourself. Don't let the enemy make you think that you're disqualified. So he has anointed you for the now. So the evidence, this is the thing, I think, that we get so caught up, our culture, it's like, oh, you have to be, and it has to be lights and cameras and action all the time. And you, the proof of God's hand on your life is how many people run to the altar while, while you sing or how many people, how many demons you cast out and all that. And God has called us to do all those things. But the proof of God's faithfulness, the proof of God's favor is not that. It's not in my works alone. That's not, because without him, I'm nothing. That's not the proof of God's hand. But the proof of God's hand is knowing I'm anointed, I'm called, I'm chosen when I can walk in his spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I'm going to, as we're about to land this uh, plane here, I've got one more uh, story, one more passage of scripture that I want to, uh, that I want to read. So um, if we, if we're going to skip over to 1 Kings chapter 19, and this is verse 19 through 21. So if we know that we're called and chosen and anointed and sent and all of that, there are so many times that along that journey that God will send, he himself, his spirit will do this, but also he'll send people in our lives to that can impart things into us, that we can have an impartation of his spirit and some things in us. And so we're going to read um, a, a story about that. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to read verses 19 through 21, and this is the call of Elisha. And I've I've loved this I love this story. And um, as I've studied this, I just I just think it's so so neat. But okay, First Kings chapter 19, and we're going to start at verse 19. Um, and this is basically this is taking us to where Elijah was like having this conversation with the Lord, and he was just depressed. And God's like, "Go get." He said he sent him to Elisha. He said, I want you to pass your anointing on to Elisha, that he, so when I take you, Elisha will take your place. And so we're going to read that. But the call, uh, the call of Elisha. So Elijah went and found Elisha, sorry. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then he walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from his plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So when we read this, it tells us that Elisha said he had a decent, he had 12 oxen. So what that tells us is 
that Elijah was pretty, or Elisha, sorry, Elisha was pretty well off. He was doing pretty good for himself. He had an estate with 12 oxen. So this tells you that when, for, in order for Elisha to leave what he knew, to leave his estate, it was a little bit of a sacrifice for him to go and follow the call of God on his life. So many of us, I think, find ourselves in a season like Elisha, who the Bible says he was plowing the ground, and you're plowing the ground, and you're planting the seed, and you're praying for the rain. And you find yourself in this mundane of, like Elisha, you feel like you're in this mundane of life of I'm plowing the ground, I'm planting the seed, I'm praying for the rain, and nothing's happening. But your rain is coming. Your rain is coming. Your rain, we could just say that and shout over that. Your rain is coming. Right? And so Elijah comes to Elisha. And in the Bible, the mantle was what there was the garb of the prophet would be what the prophet wore. And so the mantle or the cloak, this is a representation. That would have been a representation of God's assignment, his anointing, and his authority. The mantle is your, your purpose, your passion, and your promise. So when heaven starts, when you're, when you're plowing the ground, planting the seed, praying for the rain, when heaven starts something in you, when you, I, I believe if we went around the room and said, who's believing God for something? We, everyone would shoot our hands up in the air. We're all believing God for something. And I think it's sometimes so easy to get caught. The enemy wants us to get caught up in that. that we're never going to see harvest. But when, you're, when heaven starts something in you, no demon in hell can stop it. No demon in hell can stop it. Elisha, Elisha, it says he was plowing the ground. Elisha could have stayed where he was. He could have chosen to stay where he was. And even to the point when Elisha looked at Elijah and he said, can I first, before I go with you, before I answer this call, can I first go and tell my mom and dad goodbye? And Elijah said, you go ahead, but don't you forget what's happening right now. And so it's so important that when we're asking, when we're seeking the Lord for promises to be fulfilled, when we're seeking the Lord for an impartation for the more of his spirit, that you not, that we don't get distracted and, and, and go for, for temporary satisfaction. It's so important that, because you will not receive your harvest if you do that, right? So his mantle is, his, is a representation of God's assignment, his anointing and his authority. And your, the mantle that we carry is our purpose, our passion, and our promise. So don't trade your anointing for a temporary satisfaction. So your anointing, each of us, whether you feel it or not, I've told you this morning, or God's told you, you're, you're called, you're chosen, he sent you. But sometimes it's so easy to compare with other people and think, I'm not anointed, they're anointed. I'm not called, they're called. And it's so easy to do that. But if you think of it this way, if we, sh if we, if we were to say my shoes that I have on, our representation of my anointing, okay? And I look at someone else's shoes and I think, mm, I'd rather have their anointing. But I wear a size 7 and they wear a size 12. Guess what? It's not going to work. I might can walk around in them, but if you're going to ask me to run a race, I'm probably going to fall, which I don't need shoes to do that because I'm clumsy as I'll get out. But anyway, side note, um, if I'm not walking in my anointing, if I put on somebody else, try to put on somebody else's anointing, it's not going to work because that's not the anointing he's called me to operate in. Right? He's called you to walk in your anointing. So the mantle, his pur God's purpose, God's assignment on your life will cost you something. But it will sacrifice, it will cause sacrifice, but it will be worth it. And even if you read in 2 Kings 2, 9 through 10, it's when Elisha told Elijah, he said, I want a double portion of your anointing. I want to do greater things than what you've even done. And Elijah said, you've asked a difficult thing. 
carrying the mantle, carrying the anointing is a difficult thing. But it is so, so worth it to know that we're chosen by him. Amen? Okay, um, as the musicians come, I'm going to close this up and I'm going to read a story with you. Uh, in, in closing, about an evangelist who was an evangelist. He was a healing evangelist in Africa. And this is talking about, when we're talking about impartation, and we're talking about walking in the anointing and the calling that he has on your life, not on your neighbor's life, but on your life, we're talking about that. I would, this story is just ta- talking about how, just an impart, how we can receive an impartation. You can receive more from the Lord. You can receive an impartation of his spirit. So in January, I'm going to read a scripture, or scripture, I read a story. In January 1962, a young exchange student studying at the Bible College of Wales was on his way home when he decided to take an unguided sightseeing tour of London. As he walked, he came across a house with a nameplate on the front that said George Jeffries. He wondered if it could be the great George, George Jeffries who had founded the Elam Pentecostal churches in Ireland and England and whom he had read so much about. This is how the evangelist told the rest of the story. There, I rang the bell. A lady opened the door. Pardon my intrusion, ma'am. Does George Jeffries live here who was the famous firebrand evangelist I've heard so much about? Yes, he does. May I see him? The lady answered no, under no circumstances. She had hardly said no when I heard a deep voice from within the house say, let the young man come in. I stepped forward, took his hand, and introduced myself. I told him I had a call of God in my life to be an evangelist and to preach the gospel in Africa that I'd been to college, uh, to a Bible college in Wales and was now returning to Germany. What happened next was extraordinary. All of a sudden, he took me by my shoulders and fell to his knees. Pulling me to the floor with him, he placed his hands on my head and began to bless me as a father blesses his son, as Abraham blessed Isaac, who blessed Jacob, and on and on. The room seemed to light up with the glory of God as he poured out his prayer over me. I do not remember the words with which he blessed me, but I do remember their effect. My body felt electrified, tingling with divine energy. After about half an hour, he finished, and I stood up and helped him to his feet. He seemed very frail. We said goodbye. The lady came and escorted me away. He could hardly stand, nor could I, for different reasons. That young man went on to become one of the greatest healing evangelists of this generation. His name was Reinhard Bonnke. When Bonnke's train arrived at the station of his parents' town, his dad, who came to pick him up, told him that Jeffries had just died. So what happened in this story is Reinhard Bonnke knew that he had a call of God on his life. He knew he had an anointing. And so he went to George Jeffries, who was an anointed evangelist, and he said, this anointing that you walk in, I I want it imparted in me because I want to do that double portion like Elisha told Elijah. I want to do greater things. And what happened is, is literally George Jeffries prayed for Reinhard Bonnke and parted an anointing into him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And moments later, just a couple of moments after he imparted this anointing, George Jeffries died. Okay? So I believe if we are hungry for a move of God, if we're hungry to receive the promises that God has for us, we need an impartation. We need an impartation of his anointing, of his spirit, of his power, and it's available to each of us. And you're called and you're chosen and he sent you. So you are more than able, you're more than qualified to receive an impartation from him. Amen? So if you'll stand to your feet.